2: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD, from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus.
0: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening with us here today. I'm very glad that you're with us. We're celebrating Recovery Month here in September, and uh, we've got another great program for you, and we'll be talking some more about Recovery Month and uh, about all that kind of lies under that. So again, I'm very glad that you're listening today, glad that you are letting your family, your friends, the people in your recovery communities and in your spiritual communities know about us here on the Spirit of Recovery, because every week we bring you great guests, we bring people that are down to earth, that have practical information, that have inspirational attitudes, that give you some new ideas and some new energy uh, to deepen your recovery and to understand more fully what this whole wonderful process of recovery is all about thank you also for uh, your emails I really appreciate that it's great to hear from you great to hear what's happening for you in your lives also thanks for visiting our Facebook page and thanks for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook it's always great to get those new likes every week and you can do that just find Spirit of Recovery on Facebook and like us and visit our page Um, it's great to have you on there Know, too, of course, that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen uh, via your computer. You can listen through your smartphone, and you can listen live, or you can listen to our archives. We've got uh, a couple years now of great archived programs, and uh, you can listen to those on demand by going to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash recovery. I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place that um, I sure understand that recovery is a large concept. And so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, whether or not they are in recovery or whether or not you're in recovery as a family member, know that you're welcome here. And if you're just curious, interested in the process of recovery, want to learn more about it, you're certainly welcome, and we welcome your comments and your participation in our discussions. If you have a question or a comment, you can email us or give us a call during the program. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. Years ago, those relationships um, got me going and interested in my own spiritual development and my own recovery process as a family member and a friend. And so that got me started um, very actively in engaging this recovery process and the spiritual growth path, and that keeps me growing. I'm delighted. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share with you these ideas about recovery and about spirituality, and uh, grateful for the opportunity to broadcast here on Unity Online Radio. So today, again, our, our September is Recovery Month, and our topic today is putting a face and voice on recovery. Over 23 million Americans in the United States are in long-term recovery, and everybody that's in recovery, in addition to their family members and friends are, and to the workplace and the community, is an incredible testament to the reality that recovery does work. And it's documented that the quality of life really goes up for individuals, for families, and for the community, and for the nation when people get in recovery. And uh, recovery really does work. Today, my guest is Pat Taylor. She's the Executive Director of Faces and Voices of Recovery. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to facesandvoicesofrecovery.org. And Pat's going to talk with us today about that organization, and she's going to talk with us about how, uh, it is that the, that long-term recovery really does impact society. And Faces and Voices, um, is very involved also in Recovery Month, so she'll be sharing with us about some of the activities and things that go on with that. And certainly, um, part of spirituality is being visible. It's being a constructive member of our communities, and so uh, we're going to find out about that. So, Pat, um, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Pat before I welcome her. She uh, joined in 2003 Faces and Voices of Recovery as a campaign coordinator, and she's had many, many years of grassroots advocacy leadership. That's been um, what she has done a lot of her professional life. And most recently, she served as the deputy director of Ensuring Solutions to Alcohol Problems at George Washington University Medical Center. And she has also worked as an associate director with several other groups over the years in helping them to organize at the grassroots to get positive changes and good things happening for people in the area of policy. And she's also worked as a U.S. Senate campaign staff member, and she resides in the Washington, D.C. area. So, Pat, the Executive Director of Faces and Voices of Recovery, welcome to Spirit of Recovery today.
3: Anna, thank you so much for having me. I'm just delighted to be able to spend Recovery Month with uh, you and your listeners.
0: Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about um, Recovery Month. How did it get going? I think Faces and Voices has, has had a lot to do with at least getting it started, or at least getting it going. Uh, tell us about how Recovery Month got going, and then sure, we want to hear about faces and voices how that
3: got going. Absolutely. So um, I wasn't around for it, but about 24 years ago, the federal government um, started Recovery Month, and the theme was uh, treatment works at that time. So um, things have evolved over time, and now it's called uh, Recovery Month and. Uh, really a focus on the many pathways to recovery and how people are getting well um, everywhere, you know, in our country and wanting to uh, let people who are still struggling know about the reality of recovery. So there are lots of activities that go on all across the country. It's totally amazing. I can't even catch up with it. I keep on top of it. Um, We have started something called Rally for Recovery as part of Recovery Month Uh, which is one day all across the country where groups hold their rallies. And it was just last Saturday, and I had the great privilege of being in Providence, Rhode Island, which was our national hub event. Uh, So we're really trying to, you know, help groups organize these activities and raise the visibility of recovery by doing things like marches, walks, concerts, you name it. And uh, it was a recovery festival in Providence. It was totally, totally amazing. They were like... Over ten thousand people there. There was a it was a health fair, there was food and a torchlight parade to uh, honor people who have lost their lives to addiction as well as celebrate recovery and the governor was there and state legislators as well as as they said over ten thousand people from the recovery community. So it's pretty amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's powerful. And oh it really my- is.
0: Right, right up front that I know that brings a question to people that are involved in 12 step programs, the anonymity question. And, um, so how does that work? How do you, how do you do an event where you've got 10,000 people there? Obviously a very public event and still uh, respect one, of course, one of the primary paths of recovery that a lot of people, uh, walk is the 12 step path which does have a tradition of anonymity so how do you navigate that?
3: Well it's really um, important to understand first of all that it can be navigated and that for the 23 million Americans in recovery and their family members it's really important to be public about recovery in a way that respects the traditions and uh, we have on our website a brochure called Advocacy with Anonymity that talks about that in greater detail And uh, we're really um, delighted that in response to uh, an exciting new documentary called The Anonymous People, the General Service Office of AA has just recently issued a statement regarding this. So it's very possible to talk about being in recovery but without identifying a particular 12-step program that you might be using to support your recovery So um, it's really important that people do speak up and step out and make it possible for other people to get the help that they need to recover. And that's what happens not only at these rallies, but also in a lot of different public settings. And uh, if your listeners haven't had a chance to check out the anonymous people, um, I think that will be really helpful in terms of understanding just how this can work and how we really have to do it. Uh, we have a a new website that we've put up in in a new campaign in partnership with Greg Williams who's the director of the Anonymous People and uh, the website is ManyFaces and then the number one voice.org and there's a lot more information on that website about uh, advocacy with anonymity as well as some really fun vignettes from uh, recovery advocates all across the country so we really have to Understand that we have a right to speak out, and uh, we need to exercise that right.
0: That's powerful. And in fact, I'll just put in a plug next week. Greg Williams, the uh, pro- writer uh, and producer, the creator of the Anonymous People film, is going to be my guest. So we'll get to hear from him next week. And also, um, the I did literally less than an hour ago get in my email box the email from the ManyFacesOneVoice.org dot org uh Website that that talked about the AA the statement from the General Service Office of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, uh, and certainly what they clarified is exactly. That what you said is that, uh, and I'll just, I've got it right here. I'll just read the sentence. Perfect, perfect. Um, it's, they refer to the Understanding Anonymity Pamphlet, which the AA General Service Office puts out. And one line from it, which they quote here, says, AA members may disclose their identity and speak as recovered alcoholics, giving radio, TV, and Internet interviews, without violating the traditions, so long as their AA membership is not revealed. And there's more detail, but that's kind of the pertinent part there. So,
3: yeah. yeah. You know, we, we uh, develop this um, message training at Faces and Voices of Recovery. We call it Our Stories Have Power. Mm-hmm. it's a way for people to talk about being in recovery uh, so that the public both understands that people can and do get well and also why we're speaking out and at the same time not violating any of the traditions, So it's really important to be able to uh, let other people, your friends, your employers, your neighbors, you know, know about what it means to be in recovery and talk about it just like people talk about other health conditions, you know. Uh, So we really need to uh, do it, though, in a way that's uh, respectful to the traditions if someone is using a 12-step program as part of their recovery, um, but also in a way that uh, the public understands that people can and do get well. So when we were putting together this recovery messaging, we went out and talked to people around the country doing what they call focus groups. And uh, one of the things we found out was that the general public, when they hear the word recovery, they think that means somebody is trying to stop using alcohol and other drugs, you know. So there's this language of the recovery community, and then we have to figure out, you know, how to communicate with everybody else about what recovery means. So that's why we... Uh, came up with this recovery messaging so that people can use their first and last names. They can talk about what it means to be in recovery, meaning you're not using alcohol and other drugs. And then probably most importantly in terms of addressing stigma and changing public attitudes is telling, you know, why you're speaking out. I mean, you're speaking out because we need better opportunities for people to get help you know people shouldn't be in jail if they have an addiction issue they should be getting help with their addiction and so we can speak publicly in a way that our friends and neighbors and policymakers know what it is that we're talking about
0: Mm -hmm. and in the messaging training and I've had the opportunity to uh, uh, participate in that uh, a little bit In the past, and in some different workshops I've been to, I love how people introduce themselves. Would you share that with us? How
3: people do that? Like I'm Bob, and and how do they do that? Well, what they say is, "My name is," and you say your first and last name, and Uh I'm in long-term recovery, which means I haven't used alcohol or drugs for however many years, Mm -hmm. and I want to tell you about why my life is what my life is like today, and so people come up with their own message. Uh, to talk about that, and then also can describe, uh, you know, what what issues that it, uh, there are out there that they're working on. So if you hear people saying, you know, their name is whatever the first and last name is, and I'm in long term recovery, which means I haven't used alcohol or other drugs for a certain number of years, that's because they've been through our message training. And one of the things that we've um, recently done that your listeners might be interested in is we brought together a bunch of young people in recovery um, because. Uh, there's this growing network and movement of young people in recovery who are organizing, kind of in a similar way that Faces in Voices of Recovery has gotten organized, and we realized that they needed different messaging because the public doesn't understand that there's lots of kids, you know, are 17, 18, and 19 who are in recovery for four or five years. So um, we, you know, we've taken this kind of core messaging is what we call it, and develop messaging specific for you, specifically for young people, and then we also have messaging for family members. So it's all part of you know standing up and speaking out about the reality of recovery to offer hope to people who are still struggling in their families, but at the same time to educate policymakers that it makes a lot of sense to invest in recovery, and we need to stop passing laws that uh, discriminate against people who have found recovery. So if we're not public, we won't uh, really, take advantage of this incredible opportunity that we have to help more people get well.
0: Right. And um, what is the message that uh, a family member would give in when you're training doing the message training?
3: Like again, you say that you know your, your name is, and my mm-hmm. son, daughter, husband, wife, whatever the relationship is is in recovery, which means they haven't used alcohol or other drugs for x number of years. And this is what recover, how recovery how recovery has affected my family, and then you explain the benefits of recovery, and in and bo- in all of these mess and it's all on our website at recovery dot org. If people want to check this out, but and, and what's I think uh, really important is what's missing from the message. So, if you're a parent of a kid who's struggling, you don't say you know. I'm so-and-so and and my son John is an addict, you know. What you Mm -hmm. say is, you know, uh, my son John is in long-term recovery or he's seeking long-term recovery, one or the other. So it's a whole new new way of of talking about both people with addiction and people in recovery um, that, uh, again, offers hope and explains that people can and do get well. And that's really what faces and voices of recovery and uh, recovery advocates all across the country are are working uh, to make happen. Mhm.
0: And tell us a little bit about how Faces and Voices got going. We're coming up on our break here but but get us started and then after the break we'll hear more. But sure. uh, you started what, 12 years ago or when when did it
3: get going? Uh, it was in 2001 and um that's when it was launched in St. Paul, Minnesota. So for a couple of years leading up to that, uh national organizations and others were coming together and saying, you know, we have all these people in recovery and we don't have a large presence, not only in Washington, but in all 50 states. So um, that's uh, kind of the genesis of of what became Faces and Voices of Recovery. And folks came together in St. Paul, Minnesota. There was a growing network of recovery community organizations, which we can talk about a little bit later, uh, mm-hmm. where people were coming together in an organized way saying, we really need to connect in a a more formal kind of a way, and uh, before Faces and Voices was launched, one of the things that was done was to take a survey of people in recovery to see if they would be interested even in being part of an advocacy campaign. And okay, um, hold on
0: to that thought. Sure. It's time for our break. We'll Alrighty. be right back. And here's some more from my guest uh, Pat Taylor about putting a face and voice on recovery. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
4: There is truth. Shakespeare made the line famous. And at Holy Rascals, we've taken it to heart. Join us at HolyRascals.com, a spiritual education resource and community of spiritual boundary crossers who are on a truth-seeking journey that doesn't shy away from humor and frank conversations. HolyRascals.com offers cutting-edge webinars, short online videos, and podcasts. Our featured teachers are inclusive, radical, and often funny people who embrace the common heart of all religions. Find us on Facebook or check out our upcoming programs at www.HolyRascals.com. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, The Coach's Coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with a championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, The Coach's Coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is putting a face and voice on recovery. My guest is Pat Taylor. Pat is the Executive Director of Faces and Voices of Recovery, and you can find them on the web at www.facesandvoicesofrecovery.org. And uh, she is sharing with us about the importance of being visible as people in recovery. There are over 23 million Americans in the United States in long-term recovery, and that's not even counting the family members um, that are part of those families and those communities. And so there are lots of people that do uh, have long-term recovery, and that makes an incredibly positive impact on society and on families. Before Pat and I get back to our conversation, which also includes um, – an- learning about some of the activities that are going on in uh, Recovery Month here in September. But before we get back to that conversation, I invite you to take a moment to share with me a serenity minute, a brief moment in some quiet in making that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand. So I invite you to relax, to take a breath, and to share with me this constructive idea. I'm not alone. I am a part of the power of recovery I am not alone I am a part of the power of recovery And let's take just a moment in the quiet Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that that provided you with an opportunity to take a moment and make that conscious contact with that power of recovery. And now we're back to my conversation with my guest, Pat Taylor, the Executive Director of Faces and Voices of Recovery, and we're talking about putting a face and voice on recovery and why that matters. So, Pat, before our break, you were telling us about the local organizations that kind of helped to make up the beginnings of Faces and Voices and how they are are still active in making a big difference. So tell us some more about them.
3: Absolutely, and thank you for that minute as well. That was lovely. All across the country there are people coming together to form what we call recovery community organizations. Those are grassroots organizations of people in recovery, family members, friends and allies who come together to uh, do different kinds of things. One is put a face and a voice on recovery. Uh, One is to advocate and in some cases to open uh, what are called recovery community centers, which is kind of like a, a senior center, only it 's for people in recovery and family members so really kind of bringing uh, you know our best kept secret that people can and do get well and that people recover uh, out into the community and so these grassroots organizations and they're uh, in cities they're in counties and also at the state level are part of a growing network of this organized constituency that's Um, You know, uh, getting the word out, putting a face and a voice on recovery, and bringing recovery into the mainstream. So uh, it's pretty amazing. We set up what we call the Association of Recovery Community Organizations here at Faces and Voices uh, because of this growing network. And with the screening of the anonymous people around the country, beginning phone calls from people who want to set up groups, and it's really exciting. It's totally amazing. And um, it just takes a few people to come together to Begin to build uh, that kind of a presence in the community, and on our website we have something called the Recovery Community Organization Toolkit, uh, which has information about how to set up a group in your community. If anyone's interested in doing that, uh, to join this really incredible growing movement all across the country.
0: Great, and if they wanted to see if there's something available in their area, they could go on the Faces and Voices dot org website and Absolutely, we have a little up. map you
3: can click on and. Um, We are governed by the recovery community, and I meant to say that earlier. And um, so we have uh, our board is composed of people in recovery and family members, and we're organized regionally. So if you go to our website, you can also find out who the regional representative on our board is for your area and get in touch with them. And they keep in touch regularly with people throughout their region. So it's kind of, you know, lots going on in communities and then organizing Uh, those efforts, and then bubbling it up uh, to our national level. And something has happened this Recovery Month, which is pretty amazing, is that there are recovery celebrations now all over the world. And uh, I understand Bill White was a guest on your show. He just sent me some pictures from Tokyo where they had a recovery parade in Japan and England and all across Canada. There's a new group called Faces and Voices of Recovery Canada. So it's not just happening here in the U.S., it's happening all over
0: Hmm. The um, and and you are a nonprofit. I know you're a 501c3, so that's you're a right. nonprofit organization. Yep. Yep. And and uh, the that's exciting. Why do you think that's happening now? That finally, there's so much bubbling up. I've got my own my own theory is just that there's there's been now we've got over seventy five years of people really being able to sustain recovery in a big way. There's probably other reasons. Do you have any ideas about what? what it is that's allowing people to feel more empowered now and get out there?
3: Well, I think there are a couple of forces at play, you know. Um, One is that there have been these draconian laws passed that have criminalized addiction. So as part of the war on drugs, as kind of you can see in this movie, the anonymous people, there are all sorts of restrictions on people with a criminal justice history who are now in recovery in terms of getting their lives back on track. So... Uh, people can't get jobs, they can't get a driver's license, uh, and, you know, they've taken the time, made the commitment to find recovery, and now there's all these barriers. So that's one force in terms of why people have been stepping up. Another another thing that I see out there is that um, for many people, um, they have uh, not been able to get the recovery support that they need to sustain their recovery for the long haul, meaning... They can't find a place to live. Um, there aren't the recovery support services that they might need. And so these recovery community organizations have really stepped in to kind of fill a gap, as it were, for people coming out of treatment, for people coming out of jails who need ongoing recovery support to develop a recovery plan to help them uh, map out, you know, how to get their lives back on track. So we, we really um, have have this, uh, uh, as people talk about it, you know, we. Treated people with addiction as if they had an acute health condition, so as so long as they just stopped drinking, then everything would be fine and so there's a growing awareness that addiction is a chronic health condition, and that uh, people need services and supports to manage this health condition over the long haul so it's a confluence of kind of you know all those different i i think it's those are part that's part of what's going on, mm-hmm. and um people. Um, As more people speak out about the fact that you can and do get well, then people come together and say, hey, you know, that works. I want to be part of that. So, uh, you know, how we can um, have more opportunities for that. And then um, the other thing that so many communities are experiencing is that people are dying. You know, these overdoses are incredible, and family members and parents uh, who are losing people to addiction are also becoming much more vocal uh, which has been true with other social movements in the past. I mean, there's a lot going on, but that's kind of, you know, the tip of the iceberg.
0: Mm-hmm. That's incredible, yeah. And um, that, to me, is is really spirituality in action, is people reaching out, um, being supportive to each other, creating networks. And, you know, all the research that I'm aware of says that, Certainly, one of the one of the main factors in sustaining long term recovery is that there is support. There's ongoing support. All these things you're talking about um, to help people, you know, build a life that uh, that really
3: helps them to to keep going. Exactly, now, I, because people recover in the community. You know, surrounded by family and friends. You know, so mm-hmm. people aren't recover. You know, don't recover in a place where they're getting treatment. People recover. You know, in that in that social network that they live and are part of,
0: right? Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. Now I'm so excited because y'all just did a study and you found out some wonderful things. Tell us about the study when you did it and um, you just got the results. I think and what you found out.
3: Yeah, it's um, one of the things that we have been working on at Faces and Voices of Recovery is to. Try and get the federal government and other agencies to invest in understanding the solution, which is recovery, at the same level that they study the problem. And so, as part of our advocacy agenda, we have been urging the National Institute on Drug Abuse and the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration and the National Institute on Drug Abuse to, you know, devote resources to understanding how people recover. So we've been doing this for a number of years, and finally we decided well, enough was waiting. You know, we wanted to actually do a study to help prod more research in this direction. So, um, I mean, we know how many, you know, eighth graders in Seattle smoke a joint, but we don't know how many, you know, 12th graders are in recovery. So we need to really invest mm-hmm. in understanding how people get well. So what we decided to do was uh, working with a well-respected uh, researcher named Alexandra Laday. Uh, we developed a survey um, that we administered through our network of uh, people in recovery who are part of Faces and Voices of Recovery. At the end of this, uh, end of last year, uh, and the survey is called Life in Recovery, the Life in Recovery Survey. And um, not surprising, I think, to the pe- to many of your listeners, most of your listeners, that one of the findings is that you know as Recovery progresses, people's lives keep getting better and better and better. And we were able to really document that for the first time. This is the first ever survey of people in recovery uh, to research both what their experiences were like when they were in active addiction and then their experiences in recovery over time. So we broke out it into uh, three categories, people in early recovery, meaning less than three years, Uh, people with three to ten years of recovery and then ten years and more as a way to kind of chart you know how life keeps getting better and better and better as uh, recovery progresses and um, you know uh, among our findings is that uh, so we looked at things like um, you know uh, if you had a job if you had a place to live uh, what your family life was like and relationships that you had because all of this really impacts on you know what our lives are like so um not surprisingly that uh, when people were in active addiction um they weren't as as employed um they uh weren't engaged in you know uh, a healthy happy lifestyle but when they people found uh, recovery things uh, you know as diverse as um Uh, participating in family activities, which is so important in terms of our lives, uh, increased by 50%. Um, Twice as many people who uh, were in long-term recovery furthered their education or training than when they were in active addiction. Um, For uh, an issue that's really important in terms of rising health care costs and uh, understanding and treating people with addiction is frequent use of costly emergency room departments decreased tenfold Uh, as people move from active addiction into recovery. And um, perhaps one of my kind of favorite findings from the survey was that volunteering in the community increases nearly threefold compared to uh, when people were in active addiction, and that's because people in recovery are soccer coaches. They belong to the PTA. They're really involved in the community, and that's one of the benefits to our uh, our society of helping people find and sustain their recovery for the long haul.
0: Right. Yeah, this is incredible. I love I love this. Um, another one that that stands out for me is that people uh in from your study says that people pay their bills on time and pay back personal debt that that
3: doubles. I know isn't That's that amazing. Good news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: This is great. How are y'all using this information?
3: Uh well, how are you y- be- in a couple of ways. One thing I want to make sure to let you know, Anna, is that we are uh, working on figuring out a way so that uh, recovery community organizations and states can do this survey themselves. So this is a survey that we would like to make it possible for others to use as well. So, you know, say you were living in a community with 15,000 people, you know, you could do a survey like this of uh, of people in recovery and then think about, you know, what, and this is the important part also, is kind of thinking about what services and supports people needed along that recovery journey and what was available and what wasn't. So, if in your area, you know, housing was a big issue or making connections in terms of civic participation or getting involved in terms of um, other health care. I was just up in Rhode Island uh, this weekend for the big rally for recovery on Saturday, and uh, one one of the recovery speakers was, a young uh youngish man who's about thirty five who had been incarcerated he's now in recovery, doing really great, got a job, and he talked about how important not only health insurance was to him but also being able to have some dental care you know so it it's it's a way to help identify what it is that people need as they're moving along their recovery journey to help us better you know serve people uh as they plan their recovery for the long haul.
0: Right, that's uh, excellent news, and I, you know, I'm really struck too by how it reverses um, the perception of, um, I don't know, not really of addiction, but I think I, I guess you know it seems like we're, I'm so used to anyway in the society about the messages uh, that are can be so dramatic and so. Um, about about addiction, you know. I mean, we get so fascinated, you know, with oh my goodness, you know, all the horrible things that happen in right. active addiction. Which right. they do. I mean, it is it's a horrible disease, and horrible things happen. And we spend so little time focusing on. Well, gosh,
3: not so dramatic, but much better.
0: When people well, there is there is recovery. drama
3: in recovery. I think we just kind of have to switch our minds around a little bit about it. You know, I mean, the drama of someone you know owning their first home or getting a job and keep going to work, you know, I mean, there there is a lot of drama, but it's not how, it's not the drama that people associate with, with addiction, and mm-hmm. so we kind of have to turn our heads around and say, oh, there's drama in people getting well, you know, it's just a different kind of drama, and uh, somehow make that enticing to people, because that's what's really changing lives.
0: That's right, yeah, it's just an incredible, incredible message.
3: It's not so- like, uh, you know, someone's uh, getting their driver's license back, you know, And that whole process of doing that and no longer being incarcerated, being able to drive to a job, reuniting with your family. I mean, there's a lot of drama there.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's uh, the stories of people in recovery are absolutely um, just touch the heart, really, really open up the heart. They're amazing stories. Absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. It's time for our break. Listeners, stay with us. Our topic today is putting a face and voice on recovery. My guest is Pat Taylor. She's the executive director of Faces and Voices of Recovery. And we'll be right back. Stay with us.
4: Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about The Soul of Money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste.
2: Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis you'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section.
1: Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Rev. Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm glad that you're listening with us today. Our topic is putting a face and voice on recovery, and my guest is Pat Taylor, who's the Executive Director of Faces and Voices of Recovery, and you can find him on the web at facesandvoicesofrecovery.org. And also, you can look up uh, Recovery Month activities at recoverymonth.gov, G-O-V, uh, because September is Recovery Month. So... Pat, tell us about some more about Recovery Month and why it matters. And I know you've been—you just got back from Rhode Island to the big
3: rally up there—and tell us some more about it. Well, and the the same day as uh, we were up in Rhode Island, they had a huge, huge walk in Philadelphia called Recovery Walks, where twenty thousand people walked through the streets of Philadelphia. And and why it matters and why it's so important to think about this is that it's an opportunity for us to be public. And for our family members to come together, and just like you know, breast cancer walks and HIV/AIDS walks, it really just brings our issue out into the public sphere in a whole different kind of way. And we are part of the community. And uh, when I was up in Rhode Island, they have a, an event called uh, Water Fire and uh, so there was a torch parade from the from the uh, Recovery Festival into this larger community event, and. Uh, the Rhode Island Rally was uh, sponsored by Walgreens and Home Depot, and they had kids with little hammers and those cute little <laughs> aprons, you know, as part of the Recovery Festival. So it's it's being part of the community, and, and that's where people recover. And so these Recovery Month activities are really a, an opportunity for us to uh, build and engage and have all new partners that we've never been able to have before. So... Um, the recoverymonth.gov website that you mentioned is terrific. And, uh, you know, once Recovery Month is over, uh, all the work that recovery community organizations and others are doing to support recovery continues. So it's just a, it's a moment in each part of the year where we can celebrate recovery, uh, invite our elected officials and others uh, to see what the recovery community looks like and uh, develop relationships that we can use for the other 11 months of the year. Uh, to offer hope to people who are still struggling and uh, to family members and others. So it's a really great opportunity. There's lots of newspaper articles and TV stations have shows, and it's just kind of bringing Republic, uh, recovery out into the open in a whole new way.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, when you were talking, what uh, another thing that came to mind uh, for me is how when you do this and you're out in the community and you've got, like, Home Depot and so forth participating, it again, it makes it It puts recovery out there as we're your neighbors, we're your friends.
3: You know, we're not some
0: horrible people.
3: Exactly. Well, you'll love this, I think. On the buses in, in Providence, Rhode Island, where the rally is, they have big signs at the back of the bus, you know, come on down to the recovery rally and then they have a digital sign inside of the bus, and then they made arrangements with the bus company that anybody who wanted to, you know, come to the rally could ride for free. So it's it's that kind of visibility about recovery so that people who've been afraid to ask for help are motivated and encouraged to do that, uh, and and it's just really bringing recovery out there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, it, it really begins to dissipate that stigma and, uh, you know, help. Employers understand that uh, in a lot of cases, you're, they're getting a better deal with somebody that's committed uh, to recovery than, than certainly than with somebody that's covering up the fact that perhaps they're uh, in inactive addiction.
3: Well, it also allows us to talk about it, you know. So, like for parents who have kids who are struggling, they're not alone. You know, it, it just changes. It, it changes, you know, our sense of communal responsibility. Uh, for people who are struggling with a health condition and for their loved ones so that people aren't afraid to talk about it. And once they're not afraid to talk about it, lo and behold, you know, there's all kinds of help that's available, uh, and especially, you know, with the Affordable Care Act uh, taking effect in terms of services on January one. Um, addiction is a specifically recovered benefit. So between that and the important victory on ending insurance discrimination in 2008, many, many more people are going to be eligible to get care and support uh, in the health system, not the criminal justice system. So it's a really exciting time. And so we want to make sure that people think about addiction and people with addiction as having a a health condition, not a moral weakness, and we're really, you know, turning this incredible corner that will make it possible for the over 20 million people who are still struggling in their families uh, to find and sustain their recovery for the long haul.
0: That's great. Really important, important work. I you know, one thing that uh, Faces and Voices has done is created the first-ever Recovery Bill of Rights. What is that? Well, about five
3: or six years ago, you know, we have, as I said, a volunteer board, and they just do incredible service in terms of bringing the message of recovery. And there was this discussion about, you know, how how do we bring forward the message of recovery in a way that people can understand it better in terms of what what it is that we want to see happen. So um, we spent almost a year, the board did, working on this, Uh, developing a statement of the principle, really, that all Americans have a right to recover and that people with addiction have the right to be uh, treated with dignity and respect. So that's really what the Recovery Bill of Rights um, lays out. And last uh, Saturday in a rally in upstate New York, um, uh, people in the community blew up, blew up, you know, like made it bigger, the Recovery Bill of Rights that's on our website, and everyone who came to the rally signed it and with how many years of recovery they had or a family member. So it's an organizing tool that people can use as well to, again, uh, get across the message that people can and do recover. And people have a right to recover, just like people with any other health condition. hmm hmm
0: Now, I um, know that in in your in Faces and Voices, that, uh, again, you're not a direct, you're not a 12-step program. You're not directly about, um, you know, providing recovery services or treatment services. Um, so how okay. do you, what's your relationship with 12-step programs and or treatment facilities? Or are there other, you know, programs too? The 12-steps aren't the only uh, fellowship-type things that people use or other ones. How, what's your relationship with those kinds of groups?
3: Well, maybe I should have said this at the beginning of our conversation, but one of the founding principles of FACES and Voices of Recovery is that there are many pathways to recovery. And so we really embrace, you know, whatever works for someone. We want to make sure that it's available for them. Um, and so because of that, I guess, we have, you know, relationships with um, individuals and families who have used and are using all kinds of pathways to recovery, uh, including many treatment centers each um June, we have something called America Honors Recovery, which is kind of our fun event of the year where we honor people for their individual or collective uh, contributions to the recovery movement, and events like that are supported by uh, last year, Karen Treatment Center was our major sponsor as well as many others. So, you know, we have relationships where uh, individuals and organizations uh, are part of what we do, and um, are part of our advocacy efforts as well. So it's been great um, building those broader relationships and building more networks to support recovery.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so along with that, um, I, I'm i sure that, uh, again, you probably don't have a direct uh, point of view about spirituality or not spirituality or how people uh, do that. So how do you, re- because for a lot of people, spirituality is an important Oh, absolutely! Not for everybody, but how do you navigate that?
3: Well, I mean, we have we have a a series of like uh, webinars and other educational um, resources that we um, provide to recovery community organizations and the recovery community. And um, I can't tell you how much spirituality comes up in those conversations because it is such an important part of many people's recovery. So, understanding, uh, you know, that that is for many people uh, critical and uh we were just having a conversation like last week about this in terms of you know how how can we um uh talk about that in a more organized way so i think it's something that's really really important and uh is so critical for so many mhm mm-hmm. yeah right and, and we make make sure we don't lose that you know and i think our life and recovery survey also kind of talks about that maybe not directly but mm-hmm. you know this these relationships and how you're feeling and Taking that moment, you know that that's such an important part of building uh, a family and a community and a person, you know that is um, grounded and is um, moving forward. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a way. I uh, one way that I like to look at spirituality is that it's you know it's that interconnection uh, with. your higher power, as you define it, it's that connection with yourself, and certainly it always is about the connection with other people. And I think um, Faces and Voices really make sure that that's I, how I see that is, is what y'all are doing, is really helping people
3: connect with people in a big way. Absolutely, and I, I can't tell you how spiritual it was to be at a rally with 10,000 people in the recovery community. You know, that is amazing, you know. hmm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I sure. So, what would you suggest uh, here for people? You know, sometimes uh, people are out in areas. Maybe they're not in urban areas; they're in more rural areas where it's harder to to organize something big, or a rally, or whatever. What What is uh, some words of wisdom you'd have for folks like that that want to make these kinds of connections in addition to whatever they're doing for their primary recovery?
3: Well, I'm talking about these large events because it's totally phenomenal, but I also want to make sure that people understand that, you know, having a town hall meeting, a meeting at the library where people talk about these issues um, is as impactful. I mean, one of my um, favorite um, stories from a couple of years ago is... Uh, during Rally for Recovery, um, eight students at the University of Texas in Austin called to say that they had come together on the college campus, you know, uh, to have a, a a meeting to talk about recovery on campus. So it doesn't, it, size is not what's important, but rather people coming together and thinking about what it is that will help and support others in the community. And so it can be, you know, uh, a radio show, it can be, something on cable tv it can be you know there's lots of different uh things that people can do and come together um uh to support recovery and bring the message forward they're like a recovery community organization in cheyenne wyoming which is not a it is a town but it's not a big city like uh, chicago or something like that Mm -hmm. um where they're offering uh recovery support services and also uh, community education activities and sober social opportunities. So it's coming together with people uh, to think about what it is that you would like to do and and bring uh, wherever you are to respond to uh, what people in the community would like to see happen. So um, whether rural or urban, um, it's kind of figuring that out with people, kind of grounding in the community what the work is that you're doing. Is
0: probably the most important thing. Great. Pat, I want to thank you so much for being uh, my guest today. You have given us so much inspiration and your enthusiasm and your joy in uh, working with people in recovery and, and getting the word out and putting a face and voice on recovery just shows. Thank you for being my guest and thank you for the work that you're doing.
3: Well, Anna, thank you so much, and uh, I hope everyone enjoys the rest of Recovery Month.
0: All right. Well, blessings and blessings to you listeners. Uh, hope you have a great week, and we'll be back next week with the Spirit of Recovery.
2: Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul, online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org.
4: Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
5: Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly."
2: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
4: If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge Where fools and dreamers dare to tread And never lose faith
1: How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for vibrant living. Each week, coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll free for coaching with Carla. That's vibrant living, life coaching with Carla. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
4: What if we are all meant to do what we secretly dream?
2: Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, Kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.